0: Amen. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Our scripture this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. I apologize, but we're going to run over today, and I'm going to blame Josh. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, from the New Revised Standard Version, reads like this. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia, for during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the favor of partnering in this ministry to the saints, and not as we expected. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you also to excel in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am, by mentioning the eagerness of others, testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich and this and in this matter i am giving my opinion it is beneficial for you who began last year not only to do something but even to desire to do something now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means for if the eagerness is there the gift is acceptable according to what one has not according to what one does not have for i do not mean that there should be relief for others and hardship for you but it is a question of equality between your present abundance and their need so that their abundance may also supply your need in order that there may be equality as it, as it is written the one who had much did not have too much and the one who had little Did not have too little. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you because we know that you're going to speak to us through it. We ask you to open our understanding and our minds and our hearts to receive it and to apply it to our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in difficult times. Anybody disagree with that? Anybody? Anybody at all? Make an argument against that. It's easy to see that we do live in difficult times. There's inflation, wars, rumors of wars, pandemics, shootings, earthquakes. Where where there isn't earthquakes, there's fires. Where there isn't fires, there's tornadoes. I mean, you name it, it's going on in the world. We could even use some of Paul's own words in Corinthians and call them severe ordeals, afflictions that we are going through in these times. If you look at the last two years, we've been through a lot, haven't we? And it's still going. There's still more stuff going on in the world. These are certainly difficult times. They're not easy times. As Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he writes to them to remind them of what another church has done during difficult times. Why? Because he's writing to the church to remind them that they have made a commitment to give a donation to a great collection that he started. Let me give you some background. As Paul was going around starting his churches among the Gentiles, he wanted the Gentiles not just to profess Jesus Christ with their mouth and to declare Jesus as Lord and Savior. He wanted them to put their resources where their faith was. He wanted them to show that they were really committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted them to really live out their faith in their communities, even when it became challenging and difficult because of persecution. He wanted to equip them to truly be the church wherever they were and whatever they faced. And so... As he went and started the churches, one of the things that Paul did after starting his missionary journeys is he started going back to the churches and saying, you all have accepted Jesus Christ. You all are Christian. There is great need in Jerusalem. There is great need among the poor Christians in Jerusalem. And we need to collect an offering to bring back to Jerusalem. Something to share with them the grace that you have received. Something to show them that you really, truly believe in Jesus Christ. He wanted them to do something concrete. Not to just say that we are with you. Not just to say that we're praying for you. Not just to say that our thoughts are with you. But to actually do something that made a difference in the lives of Christians in Jerusalem. And so... He writes to them here in 2 Corinthians to say, do you remember that commitment you made a year ago to collect this offering? Do you remember that when I brought you the idea, you were eager to do it, you were anxious to do it, you said that sounds like a great idea, and then you committed to doing it? Do you remember that? Why did he have to write them this? Because so many times we overcommit ourselves and then we forget our commitments. We say we're going to do something and then we don't do it. We don't follow through. We forget about it, right? We said we were going to help you move, but something else came up and then you're stuck there trying to carry all your furniture by yourself. You know, we said we were going to be there for something and then something else came up and we overscheduled and we can't be in two places at one time. He knew that they needed to be reminded of their commitment. And so Paul writes to them to remind them that they have committed to help those poor people in Jerusalem through this great collection. I like to think of Paul's collection for Jerusalem as the beginning of our very own United Methodist Committee on Relief. And the reason is it worked pretty much like our United Methodist Committee on Relief works right now. If you're not familiar with it, when there is a natural disaster, when there's a war, when there's a great need somewhere in the world, it doesn't matter where it is in our denomination or people outside our denomination or people outside our country, anywhere around the world where there's a great need that needs to be filled, that needs to be addressed, the United Methodist Committee on Relief puts out an appeal to every single United Methodist church around the globe. And they say, there are people in need in this country, in this region, in this town. And you can make a difference. You can donate to make a difference in their lives. And people around the connection, be it for a flood or a tornado or an earthquake or a war, give money so that resources can reach those people who are in need. Isn't that what Paul was doing at the very early church, in the very beginning? He was basically saying, you, the church, need to fill this need. And so as Paul writes to the Corinthians, he's appealing to them to do what they have committed to do. But so that they know that he's not singling them out. So that he know, they know that he's not just calling on them. You know, we don't like somebody calling our name in the classroom. You know, it just makes us feel like singled out. So we, we like it when the teacher like calls on several people. And so Paul did the same thing. He, he, he says, and let me tell you, I'm not, it's not just you. I've asked this of all the churches. And let me tell you about one of them, the Macedonian church. Let me tell you what they have done. Macedonia has been living through very difficult times. They were being persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And the persecution had led to much poverty among the church. And you would say, how did the persecution lead to much poverty in the church? Because we don't face that in the same way in this country like people in other countries do where Christianity is not welcome or accepted. Do you know what happens to a Christian in China, in Iran, in the Middle East? when they declare themselves as Christian. The government makes it almost impossible for them to earn a living. When they need a permit to open a business or to open a facility or to do something to earn a living, they put all kinds of obstacles in their path. Whenever they try to gather, they call it illegal and ban them from being able to do it. Persecution can lead to extreme poverty financially for those people. And that is what was happening in Macedonia. They were a poor church. They had experienced so much persecution that they had not been able to thrive financially. And Paul writes that this Macedonian church, who was going through a severe, severe situation, had not been stopped in their eagerness to contribute to the special offering for the saints in Jerusalem. Paul says that despite all of these conditions, they didn't just give. They gave generously according to their means and then beyond their means. They gave the second mile giving. They gave when they thought they couldn't give anymore. Have you ever given and thought, I've given enough, I'm done. And then God puts it in your heart, hey, you've got to give a little more. And you're like, really God? But I gave so much. And God says, no, you've got to give a little more. That sacrificial giving, that's what the church in Macedonia was doing. They were not just giving according to their means. They were even giving above what they thought they could give. And you see, this doesn't make sense from a human perspective. From a human perspective, when we experience need, we tend to do what? Grab more for ourselves because we want to be secure in what we have. We tend to become selfish and self-centered because we're looking out for ourselves and our own needs. And it doesn't make sense from a human perspective to give more when you're being afflicted. But that's exactly what Macedonia did. And the scripture says that when they did this, they were filled with joy. They were filled with joy in their giving. You see, joy is the result of giving sacrificially and unselfishly to God and to others through His grace. Their attitude and generosity in the face of dire circumstances were evidence of God's generous work in them and through them and for them. But how did they do this? How did they arrive there? How did they achieve this? Because it couldn't have been easy to get to that point. Well, Paul gives us some pointers as to how they did it. He says, they gave according to what they had, not according to what they did not have. They looked at what God had blessed them with, whatever God had put on their plate. And that was theirs to give. You know, God's never going to ask you to give something you don't have. But whatever he has given you, you're responsible to be generous with. They were not just generous, they were gracious. They gave freely without expecting anything in return. The second thing is they gave voluntarily. Nobody had to make them. They weren't forced. Nobody said, you have to do this. You know, giving has to be a choice. Because when it's not a choice, it feels like a bill. It feels like a responsibility and I have not met a single person that went and paid their light bill and well, went, yeah, I paid my light bill. That feels so good. Nobody paid a bill ever and went and celebrated with their friends. Bills don't bring joy. But have you ever experienced the joy of giving to somebody who had a need and you were able to help fill it? They gave voluntarily out of their own eagerness and desire. In fact, Paul says the third point was that they begged to be given the privilege to give. Why did they have to beg to get the privilege to give? Because we have a tendency as human beings that we look at people and we categorize them whether they're rich, middle class, or poor. We put them into economic strata, right? Right? And when we go to ask, we tend to want to ask the people that are in the top echelon, the people that have a lot. And we tend to not want to ask of the people that are in the lower echelons that we consider poor. And so they had to beg for the privilege to give because they they were one of the poorer churches and they didn't want to get left out because Paul went, well, you know, let's not ask Macedonia. They got so much trouble over there. They're so poor. Let's just leave them out of the collection. They didn't want that. They wanted the privilege to give. Giving is a privilege. It's a blessing. When you give, you receive so much joy and so much blessing in the giving. And the Macedonians said, "Uh uh-uh, don't leave us out. We might look poor, but we are rich in the Lord. We are spiritually rich. And we want to give. They wanted to be a part of helping those in Jerusalem. And finally, the Macedonians had given themselves as partners in ministry with the whole church. When you give to the kingdom of God, you're saying, I am going to be a partner in ministry with other people that are part of this kingdom. When we give, we see ourselves as engaged in ministry, It's not just about writing a check. It's about actually doing ministry that makes a difference in people's lives through that donation. In fact, if you look up the word minister as a verb, it literally means to attend to the needs of someone else. That's what ministering means. To attend the needs of someone else. To be clear, Paul tells them that these Macedonians first gave themselves to God, first to God, and then to them in service and in ministry. You see, true giving in the kingdom of God begins with a total surrender of ourselves to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a recognition that he is the master and the owner of all things. But then it moves to us sharing the grace of God with those around us and making sure that they have what they need as well. But giving must always begin with giving ourselves to God. And then everything else flows out of that. How do you do that? You have to be able to see others as children of God, as made in his image as those whom God loves and wants to supply for. Because you see, the scripture tells us that God supplies the needs of all who love him. He provides for them. He makes sure that they have what they need. But who does he do that through? He does that through us. He moves us as the body of Christ to make sure that everybody has what they need. Titus had been charged by Paul to be the one to help them complete this offering. He was the administrator, if you will, that was left in charge at the church of Corinth to make sure that the church collected the offering because Paul was going to come back with representatives from the other churches that had donated, and he didn't want them to be caught unaware. He didn't want them to show up for the offering, to collect it, to bring it back to Jerusalem, and then went, oh, we forgot to do that. Because that would have been so embarrassing. Can you imagine that? He says, I've left Titus so that you can complete the work that I have left for you to collect this offering. And then Paul did what Paul does best. He buttered them up. You guys excel at any, all the things that I've put before you, you guys excel at. You are good, you're a blessed church, you have great leadership, you have strong congregations, you are gifted spiritually. You know, he's he's basically saying, you guys have done so well in all of these things. And then he says, now as you excel in everything, because churches always want to be the best at everything, now as you excel in everything, excel in faith, in speech in knowledge in utmost eagerness and in our love for you and we want you also to excel in this generous undertaking you know that really lights a fire under us when somebody says that we're great and excelling at everything but one thing we're like what what what, 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 what? I'm going to get that one so we want to excel at all of them and he was basically lighting a fire under them and saying, hey, this is the one thing that you have to complete. Then in verse 8, Paul turns to the Corinthians and says, now I want you to be clear. This is not an order. I am not ordering you to do this. I am not ordering you to give. This is what you committed to. This is what you said you were eager to do. This is what you committed to last year. This is what you decided you were going to do. I'm simply reminding you, and it is my advice, that if you started it, you should finish it. Have you ever heard that? Finish what you start? If you start something, finish it. Paul tells them, this is only my opinion. You should finish what you started last year. But not only that, you should desire to finish it. I want you to understand that there's a difference between finishing something because somebody said you had to finish it, and finishing something because you want to finish it, because you want to complete it, because you have a desire in you to make it come to fruition. Desire that isn't matched with actions is worthless. Desire that isn't matched with action is worthless. Think about this. If you told your spouse, yeah, honey, I'm going to get to that later, and you never got to that, how far would that get you? Not very far, right? If you told somebody you loved them and you never showed them, how far would that get you? Not very far. Paul wanted them to follow through. He says it's going to be beneficial to you. You're going to experience the joy of completing it, of doing it, of giving of yourselves. And Paul also explains that this is what God would want. For you to be able to complete that which you've committed to up to this day. We're always asked to give according to what God has blessed us with. The promise for Abraham was that Abraham and his descendants would be blessed, but what? So that all nations of the earth could be blessed through them in the coming of Jesus. But giving when one is going through rough and difficult financial times is hard, right? When one is going through the difficulties that Macedonia was going through, you would say, that's no time to give. Look how hard they have it. Can we relate to that in any way? Is that sometimes what you hear from your friends and from others? Oh, it's not time to be giving away money. It's time to be saving money. It's time to be frugal. It's time to protect your earnings and your savings and your 401k. It's time to just hold on to as much as you can. And yet God is calling us to loosen the heart and to loosen the strings of our purse so that we can give generously and give with joy to his kingdom. Now as I look back at the last two years, I think we can, we can faithfully say we have been severely afflicted. <laughs> I think I can say that we have been going through a severe ordeal. I think I can say that it's been a rough time that COVID closed our public gatherings, limited our ability to engage our community, eliminated our fellowship from time to time, and in many ways tried to cripple our ministry. But I can also add to that, that despite the instability in the world, the wars, the tragedies, shootings, the earthquakes, all of the things that have been going on in our country with political and racial division, We have continued to be faithful in supplying the needs of those around us through the love of Jesus Christ and through actual concrete things that show them that we love them. You know, through the pandemic, we still fed children that were hungry through backpack buddies. We didn't cut down, we increased. We went from 50 to 350 bags. If you had asked Eleanor if we could do that at the beginning of that, I guarantee you she would have called you crazy. Did we do that through our own strength? No. We did it for the provision and the grace of God. Connecting people and resources so that we could be the hands and the feet of Jesus going out to our community. God allowed us to hold the, the blood drives for the Red Cross. Nothing says I love you more than let me give you some of my lifeblood. And let me show you that I care about your well-being in a time of illness and sickness going all over the world. We blessed animals in the park and met neighbors we might have never met if we hadn't been willing to get bitten by dogs. And we held outdoor activities to try to let people meet us on their own terms and in their own atmosphere without having to even come inside the building and risking getting sick. Through it all, like the Macedonians, we experience joy. If you were part of any of those things, you know what I'm talking about. There was joy in packing those bags. There was joy in blessing those animals. There was joy in coming and donating blood. There has been joy every time we have gathered in Jesus' name to proclaim that Jesus is still Lord and Savior of the world. And there is joy when we continue to give ourselves unconditionally to His kingdom. Because the reality is you can never outgive God. You know, it's interesting that we didn't have any need for two years during the pandemic. I don't know how many of you all know that. But if you look at our financials, for two years during pandemic times, we did not have a deficit in this church. You know when we had a deficit? The beginning of this year, when the ordeal got a little bit tighter... And times got a little tougher, and the world seemed to be crashing in on us just a little bit more. I think it speaks to the reality that the world is always gonna try to crush us. But, like Paul says in one of his other letters, we'll be crushed but not destroyed. We'll be attacked but never be defeated. We will have victory if we continue to follow Jesus. Paul's view of the kingdom of God was one in which our poverty and wealth were shared, bringing about a radical equality among God's people. In the church in Acts, nobody went hungry, because if one had food, all had food. If one had clothing, all had clothing. Don't we pray that the kingdom of God will come on earth as it is in heaven? Then we need to be the hands and the feet of God as we go out, putting ourselves out there to make that change happen. And how does it happen? Through the giving of ourselves, our time, our talents, our efforts, our service, and our witness. Because if you don't tell people that you're doing it for Jesus, you're missing the whole point. There are a lot of good people out there doing good things. But the difference between them and us is that we're doing them because God gave us Jesus. And we are so grateful for his grace. That is what moves us. And that is what helps us give with joy. I pray that we are moved, moved to be eager to give and to match that eagerness with actual doing. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you, O Lord, because this scripture challenges us to give, not just according to our means, but even beyond them, Lord. Lord. Trusting, O Lord, that you provide for our needs. Trusting that we can never outgive you. Trusting, O Lord, that you always supply, O Lord, for your people. Lord, during these trying times, help us to be like the church in Macedonia. Help us to give ourselves fully to you first, and then to your kingdom here on earth. That, O Lord, as we continue to expand your kingdom and tell people about Jesus, we will give of ourselves fully so that others might know your Son as their personal Savior and be able to enjoy all the grace and mercy that you have for them. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to open the altar this morning. I'm going to open the altar so that you come to ask God to help you do what Josh was talking about this morning, to help you to walk around with your hand open, and not with your fists clutched. Because God is giving us opportunities all the time to be a blessing to others. Years ago, I learned that anytime I had a special blessing drop on my lap, I couldn't just go out and take that blessing and eat it at Longhorn or go partying with it. Because when I got a blessing, sometime down the road, either I or somebody else had a need that that blessing was for. And I learned to pray, Lord, you gave me this, why? What do I need to use it for? Who is it that you want to be blessing through me? Is it something that you want me to just enjoy with my family, or is it something that you have a purpose for? Help me to know your will, because I want to use it how you want me to use it. And God does give us gifts for ourselves, but a lot of times the blessing comes so that we can be a blessing, so that we're able to have what we need to be there for someone else. So I want you to come to the altar and just ask God to help you to have an open hand for the kingdom of God and for the people of God.